everyone, and welcome to the Neighborly Navigator podcast. I'm Natalie Connell, Marketing Director of Neighborly Software. Also here with me is Marty Greenlee, SVP of Sales. Hi, Marty. Hi, Natalie. So this is a really big day for us. It's our first episode of the series, and we're super excited to chat with our guest, Vicki Watson, who is the Executive Director of the National Community Development Association. And just to give you guys a little bit of background, NCDA is a national nonprofit organization. Um, it consists of more than 400 local governments across the country. Um, and what they do, they promote community and, and economic development programs, um, including affordable housing, HUD, CDBG, and home programs. They've been around since 1969. And NCDA is at the forefront in securing effective and responsive housing and community development programs for local governments. Um, as a member of NCDA, we fully support their mission. Um, we've been a longtime sponsor of this group. We really believe in the work they're doing. It's so important for community development. Um, so without any further ado, I'm going to hand the mic over to Marty so he can jump right in with Vicki. Thank you, Natalie. Um, hi, everyone. Um, as, as Natalie mentioned, my name is Marty Greenlee. I'm super excited to welcome our first guest of this Neighborly Navigator podcast and a good friend of mine, Vicki Watson. Vicki um, has been a longtime advocate for housing, economic, and community development programs nationally, um, as, and has been heading up the, uh, the NCDA organization for many years now. She has a wealth of knowledge and experience regarding HUD, CDBG, home programs, and policy. Um, but first, would like to just welcome you, Vicki, um, and if you could just tell us a little about your background. Where'd you come from? How, how long have you been at NCDA? Well, I just want to Thank you, Marty, and thank you, Natalie, for inviting me. I'm so honored to be uh, your first guest on the on the podcast. So thank you so much. You bet. Yeah, a little bit about me. I've actually been in the industry for goodness, well over 30 years. Um, I actually started my career in Fairfax County, Virginia, working in their CDBG program right after college. I am, um, excuse me. I chose to do my graduate studies at George Mason University in Fairfax. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, right across the street was their um, Department of Housing and Community Development. So I, I was able to get an internship there, which then uh, progressed into a full-time job. Um, and mainly what I did there was uh, a loan officer for the CDBG program. I would actually go out to um, our clients' homes and take their information uh, particularly the elderly and the disabled folks, and um, help them, you know, get grants to rehab their homes. Mm -hmm. I also worked in the rental assistance program in terms of developing rental projects, affordable rental housing for Fairfax County, Virginia. So I moved on from there to the Council of State Community Development Agencies in 1993. And as you know, COSCA represents mm -hmm. the state community development agencies that administer CDBG. And I worked on homelessness and housing policy there for many years, for about five years, and then went over to NCDA in 1998. So I'm coming up on my 24th anniversary with NCDA. Wow. I don't, I don't think I actually knew you had boots on the ground, you know, kind of, you know, doing those, the um, working at Fairfax County. I don't think I remember that. So that's awesome. No. Yeah. I mean, that's one of probably the one of the most things that I really enjoyed was yeah. actually working with the clients themselves. So I, I really 
appreciate our members who are um, those folks that are on the ground helping low and moderate income people every day. I, yeah. I really salute them and all the work they do. So when you when you transferred to NCDA, um, you know your role was heavily policy related, right? A lot of legislative initiatives and things like that. Yeah, we. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a um, what they called a legislative council, um, and we focused a lot, of course, on protecting CDBG and home funding, as I do now, um, and just commenting mainly commenting on um, federal register notices working with the various subcommittees at NCDA, developing policy on those programs. And then I progressed eventually to assistant director, now very honored to be the executive director uh, for almost the past five years. So very, very to lead this organization. It's gone by fast. Yes. Time just flies. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you've, I know you've been doing some amazing work and I'm excited to talk with you further in the conversation about NCDA and some of the great things you guys are doing. Uh, but I know right now you have some current advocacy and legislative initiatives that you're working together on with some other folks, organizations, I think caused as one of them. Do you wanna speak briefly just about some of your efforts there? Yes, um, our major effort is a um, CDBG Improvements Act, which NCDA, NCDA, excuse me, as you mentioned, Marcy, uh, Marty, sorry. It's okay. um, (laughs) I'm tongue-tied this morning, um, is working with the Council of State Community Development Agencies on. Uh, And just to give you a little bit of background, we actually started the work on this um, well over a year ago. I put together a working group of CDBG administrators to look at CDBG and how we could improve the program, um, particularly for um, communities of color and low-income communities. And out of that working group came the basis for this Draft Improvements Act, which the first thing is increasing the authorized funding level for CDBG, which Believe it or not, CDBG has not been reauthorized since 1994, so a uh, long time, and it, it needs to, to be reauthorized, particularly the funding level, which has not kept up, up, kept up with inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, when the program started in 1975, it was funded at $2.4 billion. Today, the program is funded at $3.3 billion. so as you can see, not much of an increase there. Wow. as well as the number of grantees have exploded, um, whereas there were 594 grantees in 1975, there are now well over 1,200. So um, not much of an increase and so less money to go around for all of the grantees. So this Improvements Act would, number one, um, increase the authorized funding level for CDBG. We are working on a, on um, compromising on the final number for that um, authorized funding level, but our recommendation and Costco's recommendation has been 12 billion to take into uh-huh. consideration inflation. Um, the second thing is we would like to see new construction of housing added to CDBG as a very flexible activity. You can currently do it, but it's convoluted in that you have to, um, has to be done through an entity called a community-based development organization, as well as it has to be part of a neighborhood revitalization strategy area, which is very difficult for many grantees to to put together. So 
you know, new construction not being used very much in CDBG. And as you as you know, Marty, with the uh, need for affordable housing units out there, we we need um, whatever tools we can get to help with that. So we'd like to see new construction of housing added as a more flexible activity in the program. And then third is, um, I've heard a lot from members over the years about the public services cap and increasing that. A lot of good programs and projects are funded out of the public services cap. Uh, a lot of mm -hmm. rich programs there, like for example, after youth programs, um, after school youth um, uh, assistance, as well as like um, youth employment in the summer. There's also standalone employment training for adults, um, uh, funding for park programs, uh, funding for uh, daycare assistance for low-income families. So there's just a, a plethora of, of good opportunity there in terms of um, eligible activities. So while we would like to see the cap go away in our negotiations, we've, we've had to um, double down on that. And it looks like um, they're, you know, the folks that we've been working with in Congress are willing to increase it from 15% to 20%. Wow, that'd be fantastic. Every little bit helps. Yeah. And then the final thing is, and I've heard this over and over from members over the years, is um, taking the uh, fair housing activities out of the admin cap or increasing the public services cap to accommodate more fair housing activities. While we would like to see it as a standalone activity itself, um, we're getting pushback on that. So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll have to compromise. And it, it's probably gonna end up being uh, allowing grantees to um, exceed their public services cap to do fair housing. So, so when you guys make these efforts and you push them up, up to the you know, legislative you know, level and like, how do, what, what happens after you make these, these pushes and these requests and how long does it take to, to get feedback on it? Or do you, does it just die out, you know, or do you, do you get some feedback from those folks and do you get to eventually hear whether or not it was approved or how does that happen? Yeah. Um, it takes, for some reason, it takes a long time for some bills. Um, mm -hmm. We, uh, we meaning NCDA and Casca are working with um, Representative uh, Emmanuel Cleaver, who is the chairperson of the House Subcommittee on Housing and Community Development. Mm -hmm. um, he's our champion on the House side and is the lead on this bill. Um, so, I, you know, Mr. Mr. Cleaver wants it to be uh, supported widely. So he's um, rightly doing, uh, laying, laying the groundwork, shall mm -hmm. I say, for the bill in terms of reaching out to many, many organizations that care about community development and affordable housing and getting their input on it. So yeah. I foresee that process to continue through probably at least through April um, and then um, finalization of the draft bill uh, to get it ready for introduction probably sometime in June is what Ooh, I'm exciting. Cool. Yeah. Yes, and um, Chairman Cleaver reached out to um, Senator Tina Smith, who is the chairperson of the House, uh, I'm sorry, of the Senate Subcommittee on Community Development, his what, peer on the Senate side. What states are they from, the, the two folks um, you're mentioning? I'm sorry, yes, um, 
Representative Cleaver represents Kansas City, Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Senator Tina Smith is the senator from um, Minnesota. Oh, okay, right. So, right. Okay. Yeah, and so, you know, COSCA and NCDA have met with a lot of grantees in Minnesota of late just to educate them on the bill and to let them know that there is interest by Senator Smith in possibly um, introducing this on the Senate side. But again, as Representative Cleaver's staff has done, uh, Senator Smith's staff is also doing background work in terms of reaching out to the grantees themselves and mm -hmm. in Minnesota, um, as well as other members of, of the subcommittee to get their support before um, they consider introduction of the bill. It's exciting, Vicki. Thanks for sharing. Um, speaking of kind of approvals and and Congress and things like that, you know, right now I know a lot of people are anxious. I was just in a meeting in Michigan at the um, they call Mesita, which is the Michigan Community Development Association, um, just yesterday, and some people were asking their HUD, uh, um, the director there at the, at the Michigan office in Detroit, you know, what's the update on appropriations and when are they going to find out about their allocations for the year. Have you, have you heard anything um, kind of date-wise? Yes, yes. Um, Congress wrapped up fiscal year 22 um, omnibus spending measure late last week. Um, it's been months of negotiating behind the scenes to, to get to final numbers, which were signed off by the House and Senate and then uh, enacted by the president last week. but. Most of HUD programs received a slight increase. Home, home was increased by 150 million, um, but the only program that received a cut was CDBG formula grants, which was mm. cut by 150 million. And um, I had some discussions with um, appropriation staff who remain unnamed, but <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they told me that uh, what happened was at the last minute, there was um, uh, an ask for more of the uh, economic development initiatives, which, and let me go back and explain that a little bit. For the first time in 11 years, Congress, congressional appropriators decide to add um, special projects or earmarks as we used to call them, uh, or the economic development initiatives as they're called now to the, um, to the appropriations bill. Um, they added it in several areas. For example, there's a whole chunk of it in HUD under the Community Development Fund, which also funds CDBG. But there's also a chunk of EDI projects or special projects in uh, the transportation bill and I think also in the commerce bill. Hmm. But anyway, um, they, uh, Congress, meaning, meaning the congressional appropriators, approved $1.5 billion for special projects within the community development fund. So um, that really shrank the funding for CDBG formula grants. And mm -hmm. what I was told is that at the very last minute, like the day before the bill was um, voted on, they uh, took 150 million from CDBG formula for, for some other um, special projects. So. Um, you know, in, in the past, um, when there have been these special projects, it's been more of an effort to also plus up CDBG formula at the same time. 
but mm -hmm. that wasn't the case this year. And so we are having to make uh, a real outreach to our members and to all CDBG grantees about these cuts and to encourage them to um, reach out to their congressional members. I, I in particular have been over the last few days emailing all of the grantees on the Senate side um, who have members on the T-HUD appropriation subcommittee. Mm -hmm. Urge them to reach out to meet with them, to educate them on the impact of CDBG in their community and the need for more funding. And um, an opportune, and actually a really great time to do that is National Community Development Week, which is coming up April 11th through the 15th. I was so, just going to ask you about that. That's a yeah, it's a yeah. great way to really share the the highlights of the benefits of these programs and funds and how important it is to communities across the country. So how how is you know NCDA has always been a champion for highlighting uh, National Community Development Week. And you guys always create I remember I, I could go into somebody's office across the country and you know you've been in CDBG a long time when you see those posters yeah. up in their <laughs> up in their offices from like right? you know, 1983 or something um, CDBG. So I know you guys had some new uh, poster artwork out and um, you guys always put out um, some great materials for folks to highlight the week. So tell us a little bit about how NCDA promotes Community Development Week. Yeah, well, um, we actually helped start National Community Development Week back in 1986, along with the U.S. Conference of Mayors and National League of Cities and National Association of Counties. Um, it was done at a time when CDBG was under assault for elimination uh, by Congress and the current administration at that time. So, um, you know, that's way before my time, before I started working for NCDA, but I, I have been told that it was an effort to garner more grassroots support mm -hmm. for the programs, uh, CDBG, and to um, have uh, CDBG grantees highlight what they were doing within their communities through project tours in particular, or meetings with their congressional members or ribbon cuttings of projects. So um, we've continued that every year and we used to, um, sell the products, as you mentioned, just mm -hmm. a little bit ago, the t-shirts and whatever for many years, but we stopped, I think about 2007, because at that time, NCDA did it on its own within our office. We actually ordered products, they were shipped to our office and we had to physically mail them out. So it was a lot of work and, <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, you know, we, we spent a lot of money and often went in the red on that. So mm -hmm. we, away with it for a few years. It's back this year. Um, we're able to do it through a company um, called Redbubble where you can just order your products online and they are shipped directly, pay online and they're sh uh, shipped directly to you. We also um, have worked with a graphic artist to design the poster art and um, for the t-shirts and other products. Um, we just developed, uh, she just developed artwork for the, um, for a button that you can wear and also t-shirts and posters uh, that says CDBG works. Um, mm -hmm. We had her do that right after we learned of the recent cuts to CDBG. So awesome. CD week is more important than ever this year uh, because of the cut to CDBG and the fact that the fiscal year 23 appropriations bill will be starting in April. Congress will start work on that through hearings and um, 
meeting with different associations about the program and starting to write the uh, fiscal year 23 T-HUD bill. So it's a really great time to for grantees to really um, invite their congressional members and uh, do some fun things for National Community Development Week. It, there's at your um, national conference that we'll I'll ask you about in just a sec, but you guys also highlight some of your members and the work that they do and they they get some awards right um i think i've seen at your conference you highlight those communities that go over and beyond and their efforts in highlighting community development week and you guys give them some awards is that still on the docket for this year yes yes thank awesome. you for asking about that yeah. marty um those are called the john sasso yes development awards or national uh, national cd week awards um john was our founder um, and he passed away several years ago, and we wanted to honor him with this award since he was one of the, the lead entities uh, that developed National Community Development Week back in 1986. So, yeah, if uh, we will be um, sharing the award application once, uh, probably the week after National CD Week, mm -hmm. and it's to really, as you mentioned, recognize those communities that have stepped up and done a stellar job with their National CD Week events. So I encourage folks that are listening to think about applying for that. We'll have that posted to our website. And for those of your, you that- oh, What is your website? What is your website, uh, Vicki? Yes, it's um, ncdaonline.org. All right. Um, we'll make sure to put that in the podcast notes um, okay, for that, folks too, yeah. That would be great. And they can also um, order their CD Week products uh, Ooh, if right. you click Go to our website. Everything's listed there uh, in terms of what we have available. Um, we also have a, a National CD Week toolkit to help you uh, plan your events and offers advice on what you need to do in terms of setting up a meeting with your congressional members mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing. So that's on there, um, as well as information on our upcoming in-person annual conference, which will yeah. be in St. Paul. Let me let me just let me just dub this up because this is by far one of my favorite conferences to go to and you all know that I go to a lot of them across the country. Um, you guys have two conferences a year, typically one in the winter, a legislative meeting uh, in DC typically. <clears throat> it was virtual this year and you guys had one of the highest attendances ever. I think the 400 and some odd people were there, um, which was awesome. And then this summer you guys are going to be where? Um, thank you. Yes, we are um, glad to be back in person finally, and we are happy to be in St. Paul, Minnesota, June 21st through 24th for our 53rd annual conference. Um, on the 21st, June 21st, will be a full day of uh, free training for folks that attend the conference. The actual conference starts on the 22nd, so we have like a day full of pre-conference training on the 21st. It'll offer a home primer, a CDBG primer, a con plan primer, and an uh, home underwriting primer free for those people who register and uh, attend the conference. So um, I was just going to say, Vicky, on that on that training, you know, there's been so much turnover in this industry. There's a lot of new blood, you know, working, um, especially you know, a lot of folks retiring and and just so all these new funding sources. I mean, this is a really good opportunity for folks to send their staff and, and get some basic training on these programs, right? Yeah, it's a really great opportunity. Um, 
the primers are going to be half a day each. Um, so yeah, it's it, and they really just cover an overview of the program. But as I mentioned, it's free, it's a good opportunity. And then we have currently a lot of online training that goes into more detail on the programs. Um, right now we have, that starts today at CDBG Basics course that runs over the next few weeks, as well as coming up, we have an ID, IDIS Basics course and a Home Basics course. So if you're interested in that, you can go to our website and register. And in the future, um, in the next, several months, we'd like to get back to, to on-site training, live training yeah. of those courses. Um, yeah, and uh, one of the good things about the annual conference is that the host city will do a projects tour of their um, community development projects, affordable housing mm -hmm. projects, and homelessness projects so that you can see firsthand um, how the money's being used in their communities. That's always one of the, the highlights of the conference. We'll also have a lot of sessions that focus on best practices, as well as, of course, the um, HUD headquarters staff will be out to join us um, to uh, mix and mingle with the grantees. So yeah, and, I, and I, I believe, you know, um, you know, my, you know, my favorite part of the conference, right, Vicki? I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, let's yes. talk about the dance floor. There's so much fun. <laughs> That's, you guys always put on a great party and a great social events. Um, and uh, certainly, you know, we're all one big family. And for those people that are new to NCDA, you know, we, we you know, we welcome you guys with open arms and just, uh, it's so much fun. It's so welcoming and friendly um, and fun. And I certainly look forward to going to it um, and looking forward to seeing everybody in person. Um, and I just thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Vicki, and sharing perspective and your your voice uh, in the industry, because um, that's kind of our goal with this podcast is to share these voices, these experiences, and um, and, and access to organizations like NCDA that are um, helping, you know, uh, get this funding out to communities that need it. And that's our passion is helping communities help people. So Vicki, any final words, any, any things you want to share to, to the listeners out there? Yeah, I just, you know, want to thank you, Marty and, and Natalie as well for, um, and Neighborly Software in general for being a strong partner uh, with us. Uh, our grantees utilize your software and I hear nothing but great things about it. So oh, great. I thank, thank you. you guys for the work that you're doing out there to help grantees better administer their programs. So thank you. Thank you for letting me uh, be your first um, person on your, on your podcast. You bet. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Vicki. Uh, Natalie, so um, how do people find out about this podcast? Where do they go to listen to it? Yeah. So um, these episodes will be available on Spotify um, and then also on Neighborly Software's social media channels and our website. Um, so be sure to check the check these out. Um, we'll have an episode coming once a month. Um, so be on the lookout. And um, thanks again, Vicki. We're so happy to have you. And um, stay Thank tuned you. in for the next episode. <laughs> All right, awesome. guys. Thank Take you care. Again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.